Welcome to Doc to Doc podcast. My name is Abbas Shafi, gastroenterologist. And I'm Rob Hoyer, medical oncologist. This is a podcast about lifestyle medicine, disease prevention, and longevity. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only. It is not medical advice. Please consult your physician for individualized therapies. Hi, everybody. Welcome to today's podcast. We're going to talk about new diagnostic tools. And so we're going to do a an overview of several different diagnostic tools in no particular order. And common theme is that all these tools are available either through your physician or can be ordered from your home uh, through the internet or there's a variety of companies. And we'll talk about some of them. So the first topic we'd like to cover is the the, the biological age clocks. And this is something we talked a little bit about in an earlier episode. And these are really important in that it lets us measure the what's called the biological age. Uh, and you can actually figure out your biological age relative to chronologic age or the, the actual day you were born. And this is important because it actually lets us measure what we're what we're doing, whether it be lifestyle or and um, or other interventions. Uh, there will be ph- pharmacologic strategies, uh, medications available in the coming years that will be used to treat aging. And so this, these will be really important to actually measure the effect of these uh, of these interventions. So h- how this works is um, this was um, in the, in about about ten years ago. Um, it was recognized that. Uh, the, there are these um, what's called these CG repeats or, uh, in the in the genome, and these are these repeats of C and G, C and G. These called um, these islands of these, and there is what's called methylation. And what happens is when a gene is turned off, it gets methylated, and so this is part of what's called the epigenetics of how our genes are expressed. So this is the turning on and turning off of genes throughout development. And as we go from a child into adulthood, uh, different genes are expressed, turned on or turned off. And so it was, it was found that there's, there's a few hundred uh, of these, these uh, they're called CPG islands that are, um, that are expressed uh, either or not, either methylated or not. And by looking at the pattern through um, through sequencing of the of these, you can find out, estimate the age of an individual, and it's actually really quite accurate. Within within three years, you can typically um, estimate the age of an individual with these techniques. And so, you can also do different tissues. And so, the tissue can be could be a blood sample, it could be skin sample could be saliva and there's so there's different results so different tissues in our body can age at different rates and so that's also kind of interesting you can have different um, different types of testing and also the the testing has come down in price dramatically so there's a couple different companies that do this there's uh, one called inside tracker is one of them Um, and you can uh, get your biological age by sending in a sample for a few for a couple hundred dollars they also do some other metabolic tests and whatnot um, and i should note that these companies that we're mentioning we're not promoting we're not paid to represent these companies we're just simply mentioning that they that they're that they're um, in existence and they're something that you can check out on your own 
So these, these techniques are now available and the, what's happening is that the prices come down so much that this will allow uh, um, calculation of the age uh, on a very frequent basis. So eventually we'll, we can do it. Now we can pretty much do it yearly um, for a couple hundred dollars, but maybe in the future we'll be doing it monthly or even weekly or even more frequently. Um, so you can really um, assess the impact of a intervention, whether that be exercise or diet or meditation, or if you're having a stressful period, you can really look at what's happening. So this is one of, uh, one of many different techniques that's going to be uh, utilized as we move forward into this new era of treating aging as a, as a disease. So lots, lots there, but um, if you have any questions about this, please feel free to um, chime in. Uh, we're always, um, you can always ask a question through the podcast link and we're happy to answer that. It is uh, great to know that um, the technology can show us uh, as, uh, and help us to uh, not only see the patient, um, how they can care of themselves and be able to uh, have a, a, a litmus test or measuring uh, technology to do that as you see we see many patients that sometimes you look much younger than state of the age and the other ones uh, based on their lifestyle looks much much older and um, and it is uh, um, you know of course um, taking care of yourself by eating right stress management we have mentioned before and preventing the toxins smoking alcohol and lifestyle um, and and you see that um, uh, we can guess game it on you know, an individual patient by just doing the lab data, their uh, viral signs. But it's good to have a, a technology that can help us to see how much a person chronologically age um, 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 as, as well as biologically to be able to uh, have a, maybe a, a point of interest, like uh, as we do exercise, get our heart rate certain or keep our weight down. So I think this is a fantastic uh, uh, future, and I think this is just the beginning of the, this uh, new technologies. So a uh, couple couple interesting points. So this um, chronologic, or, excuse me, this biological aging uh, analysis that the the, the the these clocks have been uh, looked at for different um, different individuals. So for smokers, usually have a much higher um, rate of aging. Also. I was looking as part of this preparation for this podcast, looking at patients receiving chemotherapy. And uh, one of the things that we've seen for a, a long time with chemotherapy is patients often will have, um, after they have chemotherapy, their skin changes, their hair turns gray uh, after chemotherapy. And so this was a study that looked at uh, before uh, chemotherapy and after chemotherapy for breast cancer. And there was a, a, a increased biological aging with the, um, um, with the chemotherapy, so it's kind of interesting. Also, yes. interesting radiation um, plays a seems to play a role as well, and radiation seems to also contribute to aging too. How that works, we're not quite sure because we're not radiating the whole body; we're radiating one area of the body. I think it's the body inflammatory response to any of the things. Is there, of course, the sort of toxin that we do to kill the cancer by defects um, all over the body? You know, we we see in you know, from mucositis to diarrhea to nausea, vomiting, you know, as we, you know, kill the 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 the, the, you know, the cancer cells, we effect of the normal cell, and I'm sure the consequence of this uh, recovery for that will 
slow down and uh, uh, what's that uh, our um, process or or, or or decrease our longevity but but this is a fantastic thing to be able to 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 look and uh, and uh, hopefully have you have more clear data for each therapy what is the, uh, you know not only we can calculate by the data but also be able to measure what are the possible effect on the longevity of a patient I think that's a, been a criticism of lifestyle medicine. The whole little area for many many years is how do you measure this, and it's which it's, is very difficult. It's it, yes, mm-hmm. it, it and so this hopefully will give. I I I'm quite confident this will give us a tool that we can use. There probably be other tools too, and of course all the typical um, other biomarkers: blood pressure, heart rate variability, all the. Um, cholesterol, glucose, all these other a- hemoglobin A1C, which is an average level of glu- glucose. All these other things will be important, but yeah. There's also been the same um, paradox or conversation between traditional medicine versus modern medicine. When I was in China, um, many of the traditional medicine says, we know it works, but I cannot tell you how it works. Yeah. But because my father, my grandfather, or my teacher says, this herb works, but of course, in modern medicine, we can more um, calculate or know the bio uh, availability or ph- pharmacology of each tablets. So we have more data. So so it's good to sort of narrow the gap and have some some measurement to, of what effect on us, whether it be our lifestyle or whether um, you know improving with exercise, better dieting or. Uh, to, to be able to put it together so say if you you know don't smoke and don't take care of yourself you don't do this this is will decrease your you know lifespan so 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 these are very good tools i think to for each individual who was interested again these are the new technology and we're not promoting this um, there but these are just a new horizon and another thing is uh, um, to uh, detect uh, early cancers so uh, that's a new technology um, uh, that uh, the, the, as we both know the earlier we can uh, diagnose the cancer um, the, the better outcome uh, the better longevity and um, you probably can tell more about it the CT DNA yeah uh, yep. so this is something that we've been using in the clinic now for a couple of years and um, really came, came out of nowhere all of a sudden we had these reps coming in talking about you can do these blood tests and find out the, the markers for your patient's cancer and it's kind of interesting story um, it was um, back in back in the 1990s actually this was first identified in um, pregnant moms who uh, they, there was um, they, in, in the free floating in their bloodstream with it was uh, DNA from the from the baby and so this was something that was identified early on. And typically it's these short little pieces of DNA. So it's not the whole chain of DNA. DNA is typically a very long molecule. This is like 160-ish base pairs, so real short little segments of DNA floating around in the bloodstream. And over the last 30 years, there's been a huge effort to try to figure out what to, what to do with this information. So initially it was used for detection of fetal anomalies, uh, that was an, an initial use of this technology, but then it, it moved into the space where patients with cancer 
often uh, the tumor seems to, sh for reasons we don't fully quite understand, it seems to shed this DNA out of the tumor. And uh, my thought is it's probably what's called the, the process of what's called apoptosis, where the immune system is, is attacking the tumor, causing programmed cell death, which is called apoptosis. And then you're getting the little pieces of DNA that are remnant from that. And those are floating around in the bloodstream. So it turns out you can actually detect those and then you can actually go and you can sequence them to figure out what's what's in there. So uh, the what, where we're using this technology today, where this is something we do every day now in the oncology clinic, is we can have a patient come in and get a blood sample, and we can find out if there are markers for treatment based on that information. So currently, we still have to do a needle a, a tissue biopsy to diagnose the cancer. But to, if there's not enough tissue with that biopsy, we can get these marker studies. For example, a patient with what's called EGFR mutated lung cancer, which is highly treatable with, a med with an oral medication. Uh, we can do the mutation testing on the tissue sample, but we can also do it in the bloodstream. And really the, the neat thing is sometimes uh, the, if a patient's receiving treatment, they'll get resistance. A resistance mutation appears in the in the tumor, and we can pick it up in the blood. So we don't have, so you don't have to resample re the the tumor. the tumor. You can actually do a blood test yes. and find the information. So it's really it is fascinating, really interesting. And this technology called circulating DNA. And so uh, so I, and I think again this is like uh, um, the biological cutting just gonna be more advanced. So. So you probably, if somebody has uh, certain symptoms or family history, be able to detect periodic uh, uh, early cancer, even that we cannot see by CT scan or, or MRI or, or before patient have any symptoms. So, so this, is, this is a fascinating, I think, new frontier on oncology and on, on medicine as well. Yeah, this is I, my... Um... My, my, I, I reviewed some of the literature, um, and a lot of this comes from uh, for cancer detection. Early cancer detection comes from a company called Grail, and um, and this company has looked at patients uh, with with cancer to um, determine the markers that are uh, in their bloodstream when uh, on this circulating tumor DNA test. And so the the test is it just became commercially available at the end of 2021. It's not covered by insurance currently. I think it costs about $900 and involves sending in a blood sample. And then the current, uh, the company quotes about a 50% sensitivity for detecting cancer. Um, one part about that that's kind of interesting is more aggressive cancers are more likely to be detected. So these are things like pancreas cancer, lung cancer. These are the more aggressive that they types have more of cancers. faster turnovers and they, they, uh, they probably shed more DNA. Things that probably can't be detected are like brain tumors are almost impossible to find on this with this technology. So that sarcomas. Some of the sarcomas may or may not no. be detectable depending on their rate growing, of, rate of growth. Um, so early stage. Stage one tumors are less likely to be detected. Stage two or three are more likely. So that goes along with just the more um, circulating tumor DNA there is, the more likely you'll get a positive. So the key thing about this test, which is kind of interesting, it's about about, about a 50% uh, chance or sensitivity of picking up a cancer if, if, if present, but it's got about a 99% specificity. So that means if the test is positive, there probably is a cancer somewhere in your body, which is kind of in, which is kind of interesting. So it's 
So if that test is positive, um, the next process is to, is to go ahead and do cancer screening scans to try to figure out what what's what's going on. I, I think this technology it, it's helpful currently. It's not clear how it will be used in the in Fishing the right. in primary care. How insurance if 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 insurance will reimburse. Um, the price will probably come down over time. It'll probably get better. I suspect. I, I'm I'm hoping it can be added to the whole cancer screening armamentarium that we have currently. So it's a, because right now we we screen for just a few types of cancer. There's many that we don't. I think everyone pretty much knows somebody or a family member who has rare cancer. Just has cancer right. and had no idea, and it was all over their body. And, by the time diagnosed, yeah. Right. Well, the new topic we can talk even um, put this is the whole body MRI and, and seem like it's very more um, um, getting gets in, in Asia than than the United States. But uh, it's, it's another one to very interesting to talk about that instead of today when, for example, we have, you know, somebody has blood in stool, we do colonoscopy, then from colonoscopy we do a CAT scan and from CAT scan we do a PET scan and PET scan, you know, to to stage then then we have to do the blood tumor markers and there so so i think i believe that in korea they were doing the total body and uh, what's that mri to to detect not only cancer and other type of um, inflammatory pro- um, process so so i think that's another new thing on the horizon you know whether you get certain age do this um, total body mri um, and to see what's what's going on in, in, in your body, of course, it's a, you know costly, expensive. But again, the 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 future of medicine is just um, is early detection and with better prognosis. I mean, I remember that one. Uh, what are you, from fax machine uh, to 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 computer slow computer to then email, then to texting, and today's media. We have, for the past 20 years, we have come a long way in our communication, and I think the same thing happening in, in medicine. So, so, so again, we, we're not promoting this thing. You guys go get it. Just want to know that, that with all the, the, the tools that we have, there's some newer tools in, in, in Horizon that, that I think will be helpful. Uh, do you want to make some comment on this whole body MRI, Rob? Yeah, and so this is an emerging technology. Um, um, it's um, not all the MRI centers have the proper coil, which is how you how MRI works. You have to have the proper coil to do this type of MRI scan. But it's uh, what it looks at is just just what it says. It's a MRI of usually of the brain and then the the body, looking for any type of abnormality and it could be cancer or something else for example a brain aneurysm or stenosis in the spinal cord arthritis or cardiovascular disease no, so nodule and thyroid yep. And, yep. and others but yes so the always the challenge with these types of techniques is the false positives and what you do with the finding the incidental findings what we call them incidental lomas we call them but uh the in, in a you know, in an era we're moving into more data and just having knowledge about these these things, so we can do something about it. Or uh, if it if it maybe a minor finding, observe it, recheck it again in a year, for example. So there are a lot of different, uh, a lot of nuances to this. But uh, what what's being found is that in a certain percentage of these individuals, depending on the intensity of the testing and the whether you include cardiovascular scans, brain MRI, anywhere from 
five, 10% of, of individuals who go through this testing will have something found. So that's about, so one in 10, that's kind of interesting that one in 10 have some type of clinically actionable mm -hmm. finding. finding. And that so it can be hopefully curable or, right. or, or, or fixable it, or exactly. Yeah. So it's, it definitely, it needs more research, but it, and, uh, and clearly it's going to be something that I'm, I'm sure insurance will not cover for probably a, quite a long time, but as the cost of imaging decreases, there are some really interesting new techniques. And maybe we'll talk about that in a future podcast about new uh, imaging techniques that are to lower the cost of imaging. We can lower the cost of imaging. Then all of a sudden, this becomes wildly available to everybody. But if you look at the piecemeal that we do today, we do an ultrasound or yep. we do CT scan, then we do the PET scan and all of those with radiation involved and all of that. So maybe it's better to do a one, especially with certain cancers, if you know that there's a metastatic cancer somewhere, to do one test and, and be able to, do not need to do biopsy or do not do any further investigation based on that and you know you know look at the prognosis and the treatment so so yeah it's a it's a fascinating word um in gi um of course you know with the mention of um uh, endoscopy in 1970s and earliest uh, 80s uh, we have come a long way initially with uh, um, very very stiff scopes whether to do just a proctoscopy or just limited to the esophagus has evolved to uh, much uh, more better scope, better detection for polyps and cancer and and stomach ulcers. And with the new medicine also has uh, increased the longevity. And just looking at the stomach for peptic ulcer disease, we have reduced the surgery by over 98%. So with the, the better medication and all of that. And uh, for the looking at more in-depth um, the capsule endoscopy, which is um, the size of uh, vitamin, uh, a fa fascinating uh, uh, technology that has now camera both sides that that uh, lights up and transmit data to outside of the body to a box and pretty soon going to be probably um, more uh, um, technology, more, more we can just get in the computer probably through the um, Wi-Fi and um, that can tell, detect very early uh, cancer in small intestine, esophagus, um, look at for inflammatory such as uh, mild Crohn's, um, anemia, uh, or uh, or obscure bleeding that people come with recurrent anemia. So, so the technology in GI has um, evolved um, as as well. And um, and when we diagnose someone with the another technology mixing the um, the ultrasound and endoscopy, I call it endoscopic ultrasound, can um, can tell us, for example, pancreatic cancer or esophageal cancer or rectal cancer, how deep is uh, the, uh, the the cancer it is, and maybe prevent from going to under surgery. And that by itself can change uh, people's lifestyle. It's uh, tough to a patient go to a huge surgery and end up have recurrent disease, and not only the disease, then you have to deal with the complication of the surgery. Um, so through the endoscopic ultrasound, not only we can detect, you know, smaller lymph nodes near the GI tract, what 10 centimeters or so. Also, we can sample them through the, um, what they call FNA, uh, fine needle aspiration, or uh, or by um, different, um, by just the, the look at them to see whether these are malignant or not. So 
So yeah, the, the technology has come a long way, in, in, not only in, in cancer and GI, and uh, I think our time not a lot to do in the whole medicine from whether from neurosurgery to cardiology to um, um, many other aspects of the the medicine, this uh, technology, robotic with um, uh, technology with uh, surgery and, uh, and uh, uh, prostate surgery, those are all evolving uh, in a very fast pace. And, uh, and hopefully with this all new technology, we will have a better prognosis for the patient and early detection. I was nodding my head the whole time because I completely agree. And it just, it, that's the, the medical imaging has come a long way. I remember as a medical student having to go into the film room, put these films films and put them up on the light box. And they were <laughs> trying to squint at these little tiny CAT scan images. But now, you know, we have these available in the, in the room with the patient. We can pull up the scan and make it really big on a screen. And, and uh, the quality of the images is also dramatically improved, both for MRI and for, for CAT scan. CAT scans have been around for, for, for years now, probably since what, since this, late 60s, early 70s, and we've had just, you know, 50, 50 plus years of CAT scan. It's just incredible the quality of the images we get with just a routine order for a CAT scan. So this is de definitely more to come on medical imaging, but so certainly something that I, I think we're, the, the better we can um, look inside the body, um, as, as Abbas mentioned, the less we have to do invasive surgeries or biopsies or we and now, now we can also do needle biopsies which are really handy and don't often don't have to do any open surgical procedures to, to make a diagnosis which is great i think that was a fantastic um, overview of at least the what's in horizon in technology and medicine again we are not promoting any company or we're not asking you to go to um, ask your doctor to do these tests you just discuss you can discuss with your uh, physician or oncologist to whether this is appropriate for you and uh, it just uh, as we get all the negative news in today's uh, there's some positive uh, the technology as it is is good can be good depending on how you use it um, you know um, as long as you put uh, not the profit ahead of the 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 the, the technology or, or you don't use that as a profitability I think that's uh, Early detection and longevity is is the what we are looking for a longer healthier life. And I, I agree, technology is a tool. It's really agnostic uh, in terms of it being good or bad. It's just a tool, and we have to figure out how to utilize those tools. And I think that's really the story of medicine over the past hundred years is trying to figure out how to utilize the new technology, but also how to move it much more quickly from the lab to the patient and that's you know currently or up up until now it's 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 many years sometimes 10 15 or more years to have something from the lab uh, really impact medicine in, in the clinic and so how do we compress that down to a couple of years or even less that's you know for, especially for big discoveries I, I i think as the as the as we can start measuring the impact of these technologies we can really start to move them more quickly we can actually see real time how they're improving patients lives and move them move them more quickly of course where we have the where we have the evidence i think it's important to note that some of these things we're talking about are there are so new we're still collecting data but um, you know that's the beauty of this uh, the practice of medicine is it, it it can change 
literally every day. And we're having so much medical knowledge now. It's just, uh, it's like a fire hose trying to just digest it all is literally impossible. So we try to do the best we can, stay up to date and keep keep asking questions. Yeah, one thing that uh, um, was really impressive when I did the medical mission in Philippines, um, one of the, uh, our uh, uh, physician brought an, an ultrasound probe that you could read on your iPad uh, or um, an iPhone and that helps so much to where there's almost zero technology. There's no, nothing around. Even the basic laboratory, you cannot do it. So you have to operate based on just, um, I'm guess game, but based on your physical knowledge and physical exam and history. And, and, and of course, most of the things that we diagnose is early, uh, uh, late stages. By having this small uh, technology, we could easily pick up the gallstones, the cyst or, or, or cancer or, or, or thyroid nodules. Um, and, and that helps for patient to be properly diagnosed as well as whether this surgery can help the patient or just um, send it to the center that they can. So, so yeah, you say they're, they're getting smaller, they're getting better. And, um, and I think uh, they're going to be great help in the future of medicine. So last, last but not least, uh, we'd be we'd be remiss if we didn't mention wearables. And so these are this is a huge huge area, and I think one of the biggest areas where there are all sorts of wearables um, right now. Are you could argue that our cell phones are kind of the primitive wearables. Uh, then you have the different watches and things of that nature that can measure heart rate, heart rate variability, EKG. Um, the the next level is um, measuring blood pressure with a watch. And that's that's coming. That's actually available now, and it's actually. It just sounds for university. It, just yep. a program on that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And and then you have all the um, invasive uh, monitoring. So I'm actually wearing one right now. It's called the continuous glucose monitor, and so this will measure glucose continuously. And folks don't realize that like, you know back 30, 40 years ago to measure the blood glucose was a huge deal. This was not something that you needed a massive machine, you needed a special lab, a fresh blood sample from the patient, um, and it was very expensive. And that was how um, di- diabetics were diagnosed and then uh, treated to see that when they, were, when they were treated with insulin, their blood sugar, blood, blood glucose came down. But now for about $100, you can get this little disc, um, you put it on the skin, and it's uh, it measures glucose continuously for 14 days, and you can scan it with your with your phone and just scan the glucose, and so you can see the effect of a meal. And interestingly, what I found really fascinating is the order of how you eat the food affects the blood sugar. I was just fascinated by this. If you eat the protein, at least for me, and this may not be the same for everyone, but there's some trends. If you eat the protein first oftentimes have less of a glucose spike. Mm-hmm. And so this is something that um, you can just experiment with different foods. Try rice, try potato, try your favorite breakfast cereal, whatever, and see how it affects. You can eat an a orange, then you can drink an equivalent amount of orange juice and see how that affects your blood sugar. You can do all these little experiments on yourself. And I, I just have a great time with this. And the reason this is important is um, the more variable... Uh, the glucose, the the more the the 
It's been shown to be associated with aging. And so you want to keep your blood glucose as steady as possible. You don't want you don't want big spikes, spikes or downs or downs. You want to keep it stable. And so this is something that uh, individuals can do. And so there's a variety of companies that are doing this continuous glucose monitoring. It's inexpensive. It doesn't hurt uh, to put it on. There's a little baby needle in the applicator, but the needle goes away and just a little cannula sitting in your in your subcutaneous tissue of your arm. And uh, it works great. So, yeah. So that and and this is one one variable now. We're, glucose we're measuring, but what if we can measure five, ten, fifty variables? And so this is coming over the next few years. We'll be able to measure probably the, hundreds the of things. Cholesterol simultaneously. Your electrolytes and, yep. and other things to everything to, to see what you know. Only eating the, a yep. burger and fri fries, yep. see what happens to your body. Yep. And maybe that uh, shows people yep. how to take care of themselves. You know uh, exactly. It's uh, yeah. It's, it's good to to you know you can preach to people about certain things, but it's good to see some actual data to prove it. So so this is another fascinating new technology and. Uh, and and the way we look at the society, uh, I think within like uh, five to ten years, going to be like fifty percent of population going to have diabetes. So so um, so if the people they know ahead of times what causes this you know, variable in their sugar, maybe they they adjust their diet. You know this as as you said between a soda or an orange juice versus eating a real fruits yep. to see what are the variability and affect your body then then you maybe think twice to do that over and over. Yep, I, I completely agree. I think it's going to be, um, you know, a lot, a lot of these are developing that, that the, we call the, what we call the UI, the user interface. And essentially we'll have a, a UI for our body and be able to have um, recommendations for certain foods or other um, medications for treating uh, certain conditions before they become clinically evident, which I think is really interesting. The things, so yeah. the, you can actually pre-treat a lot of these conditions before they happen. And whether that be with lifestyle, maybe maybe a medication for a short time to get things on track, and then you can stop the medicine and whatnot. There's a, a lot of lot happening here. And so we're really, it's really the, I, I really consider this really, that's like a second renaissance of, um, and the first uh, you know, renaissance was with, art and technology and but we're in this renaissance now of the information age and is such a fascinating elk, um, convergence of all these things coming together and these are not individual technologies but they're they they're convergent and that they, they they build on each other and um, and that's the same thing that has happened due to COVID in telemedicine yep. you know for many years that uh, many people in the periphery they could not see a doctor or they had a family member, or or have a be able to uh, to what's that um, make an appointment to go to a big medical center. So today, um, with the COVID, has really boosted that a lot. In I'm sure in your practice and my practice, um, you can easily if you have a, a cell phone or computer, you can sit and where they talk to your uh, physician. At the same time, he can look at the labs. He can show you the labs. He can show you the technology. And uh, I find out, particularly for disabled or elderly people, um, prevent them from getting, you know, out of the house or getting, you know, um, 
um, increase getting infection and and they feel a little more com- I find that this fit they feel more comfortable at their home than than coming to a doctor's office they're more honest they're more relaxed and they can and also the family can sit down with on a conversation if they're fabbing or or they 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 don't want you to know something the the family uh, can uh, can interfere with that so I think um this is I think for the past 20 30 years the medicine want to have the telemedicine but has really uh, past couple of years um had a whole different speed on it and I'm uh, and I think going to stay f- for for a long time not only I think for big cities you can communicate with um patient in a remote area when they have a problem from their mobile home I talk to and they can be um uh, you know surrounding you know small towns in, in here in Colorado or other places that they really do not have um, access or save the gas or or spending the night in a hotel to come see us you can easily have a conversation with them and that uh, it is uh, I think I, for me has been really uh, initially was I was not sure how it gonna work but uh, but I think I think it has really um, uh, my outcome to this I think it's gonna be uh, great not for for here I um, talk to people across the world in this way now uh, people to back home they, they I had yesterday somebody called and that you know they 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 email the scans and stuff like that just just um, just from human humanitarian point of view just get a, an opinion which takes them uh, a plane ride visas and all of that and you can have a, a an honest conversation with them so I think uh, the uh, the telemedicine uh, has really again is a new technology and I think going to improve a lot in our future so I do a clinic in in rural Colorado uh, for oncology so we I go there every month uh, for um, four to five days and for years we tried to get a telemedicine solution but the problem was insurance uh, particularly the uh, the uh, Medicare would not cover didn't cover uh, telemedicine and so Come COVID, though, everything changed. And so uh, this is something that um, telemedicine is something that I think really can help improve access. And there is still a, a, a time and place for in-person visits. Absolutely. There's I, no, nothing going to replace that. Nothing no, replace that. Uh, yeah, so. but, but having that option or, mm-hmm. for example, a quick check-in saying, how, so we started new medicine. How did, it, how did it go? It's been two weeks. How are you feeling? What side effects are you having? A lot of times in oncology, we're starting an oral chemotherapy medication. It's a great to have a check-in visit. Um, otherwise, the patient would have to drive, you know, three hours each way for a visit that might last 15 minutes. And, and so it's a hugely helpful. What we find in some of the rural areas, especially in Colorado, I'm sure this is similar elsewhere, I imagine, is that Internet access is not so common. And so that's that's something that... Hopefully um, to improve. It will, it will improve, I'm sure. And so now we're getting satellite, these big satellite webs of uh, you know, low Earth orbit satellites that are going to be out there and all these things, Starlink and uh, Amazon has one and there's a variety of different companies doing this, Virgin Galactic's doing one. And so these are going to be helpful to provide internet into these areas that currently have um, very low speed internet. So we'll be moving, you know, they'll be going leapfrogging into a, very very fast internet to do this, vid- this video call. And especially with oncology people when they have when you're neutropenic which means they don't have their defense mechanism has is very low when they get out of the home they're prone to get infection 
and um, so so that really helps those people communicate and whether with the nurse whether with the office or whether with the physician to have this 10-15 minutes visit and saves them lots of um, headache and and particularly infection and other type of things. Yeah, for the for for the U.S. healthcare system, you know, access is very much concentrated on the in the urban areas and suburban areas, and so this is a great way to have uh, equity of access to healthcare. And so again, it doesn't replace the in-person visits, but it is really helpful to have that, whether it be an initial consult or a follow-up visit, just to to have that conversation to be and expedite the care because absolutely you know as you said in many rural areas they do have a cat scanner or they have a um, certain tests we can do it's just basic blood work instead of driving four hours coming here and then yeah. then you have to put the order then i have to go back there so then you have to do that and then i come get this report and you cannot see it now today i think that has at least helped me a lot with with, with rural uh, area and probably with you even more. So so that's another technology we are hoping to improve and uh, and um, and, uh, and get better access to to patient for early de- detection and uh, diagnosis and uh, treatment. Well, um, I think uh, this was a, a good introduction to um, modern technology and uh, uh, new horizon for uh, medicine, particularly in GI and and. Uh, and oncology so we're not again sponsoring any company we just want to uh, make uh, our audience to be aware of the uh, the new things coming and and hopefully all for the better uh, than, than than bad so um so this was just a, a brief uh, introduction and uh, hopefully we uh, in a few months we can have a more update more um and answer some of the questions that uh, the audience may have. Uh, so uh, so uh, until next time, uh, also goodbye. And thanks everyone for listening. And please, uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. And if you have a few minutes, drop us a review. I'm just going to do a short plug for uh, my newsletter. So this comes out every every few weeks, um, ideally monthly. I, I, try to, I, do, I do a brief newsletter which talk, it's called Exponential Health Span on Substack. And it talks about a lot of the topics. Uh, and uh, it also, I get into some of these. Um, um, I'm very interested in uh, technologies that can help individuals and families to um, live better, healthier lives. And so uh, we talk about Bitcoin. We talk about all sorts of new, new things in there. So love to have you uh, join that and um, and. Sent, sent and hear your feedback from that as well. So until next time, uh, thanks, and uh, we'll we'll talk again soon.